0: hey what is going on everyone it's me mr mario and it feels like it's been a bit since i've gotten on camera here uh yeah we're not gonna be using gameplay this time around we're back to the camera because Well, you know what, we can do it at this point. So I got a little bit lazy. I was admittedly just doing some uh, GoldenEye 007 XBLA gameplay, but hopefully people enjoyed it for the last couple episodes. But either way, welcome to Mod Chat. In case you do not know, this is a podcast I try and do at least monthly in two forms. First of all, there is a visual version here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, as well as an audio-only version available on most podcasting platforms. Simply look up Mod Chat, all one word, on your preferred podcasting platform and you should hopefully be able to download and listen to it in a standard mp3 file. Now, I could tease what we're going to be getting into with this episode today, but I'd rather not. Let's just go ahead and talk about the topics at hand today. I'd like to point to this thread over here on Twitter first from Vitor Vilela, otherwise known as Hacker Vilela, and he has said here, today I'm glad to release the SA1 optimized version of Race Drive after around 13,000 lines of ASM code and a lot of research. Unlike other conversions, the main focus was making the game run smoother and improve gameplay. He's also got a video comparison. He also says here, special Thanks to Eravondo XP for the trace logs and for all my patrons which supported the development of the project. In special to Alec, Christopher, Jake Mauer, Gumakuma, Hype 36R Max, and KC Ching. And of course, there is a link to his Patreon. But specifically, what is going on here? Well, you know what? Let's just take a look at this. So we're going to watch this video here, and if you look on the left, there is the original race driven ROM running. On a Super Nintendo emulator here I presume and you can look at the one on the right which has been adapted for SA1 which is one of the chips you could use on the Super Nintendo there was a little bit of a joke back in the day as well too where the Super Nintendo was kind of just a box and whatever chips you put into the actual cartridge are what really make it sing and what make the Super Nintendo do what will what it can do like most infamously or famously here I guess would be uh, the Super FX chip that produced actual really cool 3d on the super nintendo but either way you've been seeing that race driving is incredibly slow in its original form but on the right with sa1 it is it's so smooth and it's so much faster that is great to see now he's got a full project dedicated to this called sa1 root and it states here on github sa1 root is a project for enabling and accelerating games using the sa1 chip It's a pack of patches that optimizes the game to the maximum possible, keeping high hardware compatibility and keeping most of the game aspects intact. So far, the following games are available. And at the time I'm recording this, it's March 8th. Uh, Contra 3 version 1.1. So that's specifically the patch that's being used here. Uh, Gradius 3 version 1.5. Race Drive in version 1.0, Super R-Type version 1.1, and Super Mario World, and it's state tier SA1 pack only. To get into it a little bit further, SA1 Super Accelerator is a coprocessor processor included on some Super Nintendo games cartridges. It is made to work together with the Super NES CPU and used to enhance its processing speed, graphics, and memory. With its 10.74 megahertz clock, the SA1 CPU is four times faster than the normal Super Nintendo CPU processing. The SA1 CPU and Super Nintendo CPU also run simultaneously, which can result in up to five times faster processing over a game with no enhancement chips. Using that power, the Super Accelerator System, SAS, can be used to process game engines much faster than normal, allowing for more sprites to be processed at once, more in-game effects, faster loading, and much more. SA1 Root not just activates the coprocessor, but also modifies a good part of the game engine to use and explore the chip features, which gives an extreme boost to overall performance of the game. Just a quick note for the differences with the SA1 pack, because it is noted here on the GitHub, and we saw Super Mario World uses one of these, SA1 Root is intended to be the base pack for enabling SA1 on the games and optimizing it. SA1 Pack is intended to be a full-featured pack that not just enables sa1 and accelerate the game but also improve the game engine and provide additional tools for rom hacking for example super mario world's sa1 pack doubles the maximum physical amount of allowed enemies on screen and includes different shared routines for additional sa1 features finally the thing i want to touch up on here for compatibility if anybody's wanting to grab these patches grab the games patch up the games and play them for compatibility here sa1 root is warranted to work with real hardware including sa1 carts plus the most up-to-date Date Super Nintendo emulators, including B SNES and SNES 9X. Z ZSNES is not compatible with SA1 root patches. So, if you've got a nice Super Nintendo flash card that has the available chips on hand, you should be able to run these patched games with hopefully no issue. Now, I've actually been a little bit familiar with his work here, and I started following him when he ended up releasing FastROM, which we can take a quick look at this. Project FastROM, it states here, aims into optimizing the Super Nintendo games originally designed to run under slow ROM 2.68 megahertz to fast ROM 3.58 megahertz. Fast ROM allows the Super Nintendo CPU read data and opcodes from the ROM 33.5 faster compared to slow ROM. That's just the very quick thing there. Uh, But there's only one game that is available for this Project Fast ROM patch, which is Super Castlevania 4, which I have tried and it seems to work well enough. But I have not tried any of the SA1 route yet. So this here, I'd say, is something incredibly impressive and something that I was not expecting to see. I know there's several games, like even another one I mentioned was uh, Star Fox, for example, where there's games like that where they can look Great and shine all the Super Nintendo but they just absolutely chug in terms of performance so I'd actually love to see a patch for that as well too but either way I'm going to have links down below in the description of the YouTube upload to uh, his Twitter thread as well as the GitHub page so you can check that out download the patches that you might see there and even support on Patreon if you're really wanting to there but awesome job on this so far this is really cool next up I want to highlight something from Lib Retro which is a new project from them but not software based like you know you would expect retro arch or retro arch core of some kind this is called the retro arch open hardware project so we're going to be talking about this here and i'm just going to be reading off of the page so project future finally materializes from the beginning we have been unsatisfied with the general state of the retro gaming scene when it comes to being able to dump and play your own legally bought game cartridges solutions exist like the retrode there are some big issues with them though that limits their visibility as something an average consumer can just readily buy off the shelf number one super expensive number two no longer in production out of stock number three rights to the product changing hands between sellers store owners Number four, because of three, usually one or two stores can only sell them. And number five, specs are so closed, so only a select few can assemble and sell them, limiting the ability of DIY homebrewers to make their own device. While as a general rule of thumb, developers will tell people to dump their own game cartridges, in reality, there is nobody stepping up to the plate to make this affordable, to integrate it well with existing software, or to make it possible for your homebrew hardware maker to easily build his own retroarch open hardware is our attempt to shake up this sector of the retro games market and our effort to revitalize the diy market and shift away from proprietary solutions our first proof of concept hardware is an n64 cartridge adapter that you can connect to any device with a usb type c cable it will be relatively cheap to assemble and much faster than any existing competing device out there that does the same task so this is really cool here. Again, we see it just, you know, a quick photo of this, but just you have this little box here, you're able to physically connect a N64 cartridge to it. And just taking a look at this, they are planning on having RetroArch integration. So that way you'll be able to plug this in and not only, you know, dump a ROM off of it, but you can even quite literally use this as a console in some way. So the idea is going to be here. If you have a device that can run RetroArch, You can hook this up to that device, whether it be a Switch using RetroArch, a PC, um, anything else that's really going to support, in this case, an N64 core. And the idea would be you can hook that up through USB to your device, plug in your cartridge, just plop it in, and be playing right there. That's pretty cool. That's kind of a TLDR of what they're talking about with RetroArch integration here and it is even stated at the bottom in addition switch dock support will be there from day one working out of the box. Now even for dumping and how it works it says you insert the N64 cartridge into the cartridge reader and you connect it to a PC or some other device with a USB type C cable. The device will then map the contents of the cartridge itself as a mass storage device volume. EEPROM, FLASH, ROM, and SRAM are mapped as separate files on this volume. Playing the game should be as easy as loading the ROM from this device. So already, even without the aforementioned RetroArch integration, it already works. And there's just some prototype photos here. It looks like this is just a PCB inside of a 3D printed case. Here it's looking pretty nice, I would say. And then we have just a small teaser here of what we're looking at. So... This is really cool overall. I really like this idea. Again, the idea here being not only for preservation's sake, not only to take this and, you know, have an easy, affordable, ready-to-use dumping solution out there that you can either purchase pre-built or build yourself, but even quite literally just to the point where there's some people where they like to play on original hardware and one of the drawbacks is hey, I like to on occasion take my physical cartridges and plop them in, which I can't do on something such as a project mister or mister project, I suppose, even though mister is really awesome. Uh, I have one. It's a great device. I need to I need to do video on it. But regardless on this, uh, the idea here, again, this is really cool. If you have one of these, and again, if it's set up for the N64, you can quite literally take this cartridge. You can play it on your N64 natively. You can do what you want to on Resident Evil 2. You can save the game. You can beat it, do whatever the hell it is. And then let's say, hey, I want to play this game on my PC or I want to play it on my Switch that's been modded. I just go there, fire up RetroArch, hook this thing up, plop it in there, And I can play it as is, like, quite literally, use this as a little portable console for RetroArch. That's really cool. The save backup as well too, just accessing your saves as files is going to be really appealing not only to me, but I'm sure many others who have you know old cartridges in their collections with precious saves that they actually want to back up. So whether you want to use your save from 15 years ago or if you just want to back it up for preservation's sake or both, you'll be able to do that pretty easily. I think my only hope on this is, this is obviously targeting N64 first and foremost, but I do hope that there's going to be different options out there, or even an ability to kind of just adapt it and such. So you'll be able to do Nintendo, Famicom, Super Nintendo, Super Famicom, Famicom, uh, Genesis, Mega Drive, just do all of that. That would be really nice to see just have all those major cartridges work out of here. Because for me, I mean, this is probably most appealing to actually backing up my own cartridges and such and packing up the saves. But regardless, this is really awesome to see. And we're not quite done with RetroArch news. There has been another post that I wanted to highlight here talking about the Genesis Plus GX Wide now available for libretro Retro slash RetroArch. So we have a few screenshots here. This one is of Sonic. And then here we've got one of the Mortal Kombat games. And just reading up on this. Hey Joe Wei has made a custom fork of Genesis Plus GX with experimental widescreen 16x9 options called Genesis Plus GX Wide. We now offer this version on our build bot and you can download install it right now on RetroArch for most platforms. At the time of writing, it says this is available for Android, Mac OS, iOS, Linux, Windows, 3DS, Switch, which is LibNX, GameCube, Wii, Wii U, and PlayStation Vita. Now let's take an actual look at this. Again, I'm just going to check out this video right here, which I think was pretty well done. This is on the uh Libretro channel. So, here we're just going to be looking at the first bit of this game, which let's skip ahead. So, this is just using Genesis Plus GX. And this is Mortal Kombat which everything seems to look fine right here Now let's go ahead and skip ahead a little bit I don't want to spoil it all too much but this is Genesis GX well plus GX wide and as you can see I mean this is like this is flawless 16 by 9 widescreen right here this is awesome it does state here if you have retroarch and you want to get this right now you can go through the online updater and then do update core info files and download it that way now that that is if you've already installed the core before, but again, this is a fork of it, so it's GX wide as opposed to GX. So if you're having to get this as a net new core, it says you can go to the online updater, core updater, and then select the Sega MS GG MD CD Genesis plus GX from the list, which will then download and install the core for you. It's also worth noting, it says here, this is an experimental feature right now. Some games might already output nicely with widescreen, such as what we saw with Mortal Kombat, while others will likely require patches to display properly. It only works on Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive games, and not Sega CD slash Mega CD games, although I'm, I'm really hoping for that. We got some really cool screenshots here as well too, which these just look... Absolutely beautiful. I mean, these look great. And there's even some further instructions on how it works as well as how to actually use it. There are several games that do have little different configurations, such as Echo the Dolphin 1 and 2, Streets of Rage 1, World of Illusion, Virtual Fighter 2, with just different settings and such. So it, it would be worth reading up here. It's not as plug and play as we'd like just yet. I mean, it even says here there's special instructions specifically for Sonic the Hedgehog, the original. Original one so you have to actually take your rom file and patch it for this to work properly but there is a site that's been spun up that will do it for you you just have to bring your own rom and i did want to show off this site here real quick on hey joe ways github because it says only supports s1 roms right now choose file you have to just find your file and then spits it out but i just really like the (laughs) the image here at the very bottom of just Sanic widescreen Sanic I suppose all right so this next story here is pretty exciting in my opinion and I think many people are here for and you've probably already picked up on the hint in the back but we're going to be talking about the almighty PlayStation 2 I would get a fat one but I'll be honest that thing is way too heavy to lug up the stairs and all that no it's it's fine it's just this is what's nearby all right as well as another slim one back there but either way we are going to be talking about something pretty exciting here in the world of PlayStation 2 development and reverse engineering and well let's just Let's just take a look at what happened. I was alerted to this over on Twitter again by c who if anybody is not familiar with him or they kind of need a reminder, some of the notable things he's done, he has released the PlayStation 4 Playground for firmware 1.76. Uh, he pretty much ended up releasing the first public jailbreak for the PlayStation 4, which was on 1.76. He's also most recently responsible for releasing free DVD boot, which I have covered extensively here on the channel as well too in a few tutorial videos as well as an episode of mod chat just talking about how awesome and how important that was but this all started out with uh, balika 11 here on twitter just uh, spitting out this hash is what it looks like and then ceter ended up quote tweeting it and said the elusive playstation 2 security coprocessor mechacon has finally been dumped for the first time. For anyone unfamiliar with Balika, I'd say most recently of anything I've covered on the channel here in Mod Chat at least a couple times, uh, he's responsible for Spacecraft NX, which in case you do not know, is an open source firmware and bootloader. You can flash to an SX Core or SX Lite mod chip, therefore making it possible to run Atmosphere and really any other payloads you want to on there without the team executor locked down firmware on the chip and bootloader and such but either way he explains this a little bit further and he said so it turns out you don't need glitching to dump megacons rom he has some megacon information here and he also wanted to give some thanks to everyone involved stating mina ralwasser myria chan Zico Shao, as well as Leo Oliveira. Now, why is this so important for the PlayStation 2 itself in terms of modding and reverse engineering? Well, the MechaCon ends up handling security for the PlayStation 2. Like, for example, this is responsible for not allowing you to play imported discs, controlling the region, like the DVD drive region, or not drive, but the DVD video disc region on your PlayStation 2, as well as preventing you from playing backup or burned games on your PlayStation 2. It's really going to be responsible for all of that. And really, for anyone who might be more familiar with the Xbox 360, think of this like the hypervisor in a way. And I know I'm relating one security thing to another security thing, But I remember even Modern Vintage Gamer has said before that the Mechacon was kind of like the Hypervisor on the 360, but for the PlayStation 2, in which this was controlling any type of security and by that i mean the reason why like present day for example keeping it short and sweet on the xbox 360 you can't just pop in a disc and run unsigned code or run homebrew or do any of that that is all because of the hypervisor which i mean the mechacon would be doing it here and if you're trying to boot up any weird not signed properly executables like no, that's not happening. You're not going to be running any sort of, you know, modified executables like that. However, one great thing with Balika011 is he's actually a fan of Mod Chat and a regular listener, and him and I have been in regular contact at least for several months. So just to make sure I got some more details on this, I actually ended up direct messaging him about this and got some more information on here. First of all, I did want to ask him in his own words what Mechacon is responsible for in terms of security, And he told me, Megacon is responsible for all security on the PlayStation 2. Verify discs, memory cards, executables, everything. If somebody ever finds a way to run code on it, it's over no security anymore. To which here I was saying like, oh, that's a lot bigger than I thought. So this is literally everything that it handles. That's real interesting to me. But I did ask here, which I'm sure some people here might be wondering, well, I can run free McBoot. I can run Fortuna or Funtuna or anything else. I can run really whatever's available there. Uh, I can run unsigned code. I can run imports and backup games through a mod chip or what have you. Why is this so important? So to this, I was asking to my knowledge it's never been fully reversed or anything it's just been bypassed is that right to which he said here yes esr disc tricks it to thinking it's a dvd disc inserted mod chips lie to it some keys were leaked thanks to ps3 that's how we got executables and memory card keys then free mcboot was born but ps3 doesn't include every key not even close hey quick editing note here he also added later on For this part, I'd like to add there were multiple versions of Free McBoot. The earlier ones used the issue that the KLF files DVD player only partially signed. The most recent versions use keys. I then also asked for his opinion here on why wasn't the Mechacon dumped until now, or maybe, like, does he think was it just dumped and then kept private up until this point? In which he was saying here, it involved cracking a DES key. I think it was done before. DS cracking, it takes a month on a 1080 Ti, but you can use more or pay for the single service that cracks it in 30 seconds on FPGA. That's in place since 2016, but I think it was cracked before that. To which we both kind of agreed here that, yeah, if anything, I would... My theory is that maybe this is not the first time it's been dumped and looked at. It's probably been researched and such and dumped internally like big mod chip manufacturers and creators were the ones who were taking a look at this prior and they probably just kept it quiet because really the big thing is if you're able to utilize this properly if this is dumped if this is decrypted if this is research this can kind of obliterate the need for a mod chip because look at this point mechacon controls the security on the playstation 2 you can use a mod chip to trick or bypass the security But if you can find a way to control the security, you don't need the mod chip anymore. Why would you need to lie to the system when you can just own the system? So even though my Chan was credited earlier and given thanks on the original Twitter thread, we were talking today, Balika and I, and he was wanting to really tell me that It was kind of thanks to her as well, too, that he was able to get as far as he did because she had actually published several hints about this on Twitter, about what she was doing, about how you can dump the Mechacon and such. And he just kind of took those little hints and was able to run with them and get further and further until he was actually able to dump the Mechacon on a console, which is... I mean, really awesome to see. However, even going back to Balika011's Twitter here, you can see that he has a photo, a couple photos when this was kind of starting just before. He's got a couple photos here. One of the chip removed, the Mechacon chip itself, and another one here with some wires coming out of it after it has been reinstalled. So he's been working on this. It's also important to note one Mechacon is not like all Mechacons across the console models. So... That means that he's been dumping others as well too, which I'll, I'll give some love on these ones. And he even did something else as well too, which I, I guess I've never tried, so I didn't know it was not possible. But he was asking, have you ever seen free McBoot in PCSX2? Uh, to which he was saying here, this proofs my re-implementation of Mechacon security in PCSX2 works. Mostly needs some more work, but the basics are there. And this has all been possible because I'm actually pointing to the PCSX2 GitHub repository in which a pull request was opened by Balika011 for Magigate. To my knowledge, I did not know, but Magigate was not on the PCSX2 emulator. And now it's hopefully being re-implemented in there, which is really cool. So there we go. We'll definitely see what comes out of this further, but this is absolutely awesome to see. I mean, this is... Kind of close to endgame for the PlayStation 2 in terms of security, so this is big right here. I can't believe it's taken over 20 years to get to this point, but sometimes you just need the right person doing it at the right time, and it works out well enough. This is really cool, but we're not done with PlayStation 2 news just yet. Another cool release that ended up coming out here is OpenTuna, an open source version of Fortuna based on reverse engineering from Alex Parado. So some people who follow the PlayStation 2 scene might be saying, okay, there's free McBoots, there's Fortuna, there's FunTuna, there's now OpenTuna, what the hell is going on here? Well, let's just go ahead and get into this. So what is OpenTuna? OpenTuna is an open source version of Fortuna based on reverse engineering. While Fortuna was merely a proof of concept, OpenTuna was made having future development in mind. It is made to be easy to use by the user. We included an easy to use installer where you only need to press X to install it. So like an actual full like GUI installer and such. Also, we included OPL on the release package, so you are ready to play once you install it. It allows embedding compressed and uncompressed executables to the exploit icon. Since it is open source, it will allow porting it to other hardware versions, including test consoles. Now, just like Fortuna, this works on every slim PlayStation 2 and the playstation 2 tv but oh this is interesting i did not see this until now only one specific fat console model which is the scph 50,000 model with bios version 1.90 so already right there you have a little bit more just like an edge a little bit more compatibility on open tuna than for tuna or fun tuna now alex also has a really great technical write-up which i'm not going to be getting into here this is absolutely Fantastic to read through though, and there's a lot of detail, so I do recommend taking a look at this. But in short, this is really talking about how Fortuna was released. It works on all slims, it works on the uh, PS2 TV, of course, just like what was talked about here. So, same type of compatibility aside from the fat model right there. However, it ended up getting one update to it, and then it never got updated after that. And unfortunately it stayed closed source so what Alex Prado was able to do was he was able to really remake that in his own way by taking Fortuna he was able to reverse engineer it document it get it working in the same way maybe even better I would say here and he has released this not only as a project that is usable to the community but is also open source and I'm sure it's going to get more development from not only him as well as other people who are knowledgeable and can actually build upon this now there is a big warning right here saying this has not been tested but assuming that OpenTuna's exploit is like the original Fortuna project once it is installed on your memory card it is advised to not use it on a fat PS2 or it could damage the save data inside your memory card. If you want to use that memory card on these kinds of consoles just delete OpenTuna and done. And since this is open source in the additional notes and FAQ over here uh, there are several different Uh, GitHub repositories that he has so for the OpenTuna payload, the installer as well as RLE which is allowing you to build your own icons per se to hack up the system. This is really cool now. I do need to give a heads up for this last big topic here I would say that I am certainly not an iOS user Uh, I have like a iOS device for work, but honestly I just use it as a multi-factor authentication device and I really don't actually use the phone itself But so personally, I don't have an iPhone. I don't have an iPad I don't use any of these devices but I do know that there are several people who are watching, listening. Maybe you're even doing this, watching and listening on an iPad, an iPod, an iPhone, whatever it is. And if you're into something such as mod chat, well, this might be of interest to you. This is Uncover, as it states here, the most advanced jailbreak tool, and this just recently got updated. Now it is currently in version 6.1.1, and it is compatible between iOS versions 11.0 and 14.3. I believe the latest version of iOS out right now is 14.4, so it's not exploitable on the very latest, but if you have not updated just yet, you might want to hold off on updating if you're wanting a jailbreak what's new is stated here make xcode debugging work on ios 14 by patching an apple bug that caused it to break after rebooting user space now talking about this here about uncover uncover is a jailbreak which means that you can have the freedom to do whatever you would like to do on your ios device allowing you to change what you want and operate when within your purview Uncover unlocks the true power of your iDevice. And there's also really great written installation guides for iOS, macOS, Windows, as well as Linux if you're wanting to set this up here. So there we go. Kind of just something quick on there. I don't have an iDevice to actually show you that I've run this on. Uh, However, this is certainly cool to the many people, I'm sure, who have iDevices, who have been waiting for a jailbreak for their device for the first time, or even have just been waiting to update their device to get on a newer ios version and run a newer jailbreak on there that's certainly cool to see and i'm sure many people who are watching and listening probably had their ears perk up when they heard that there is a new jailbreak for their device again from what i see it is up to just past the latest one so if you're on the latest which i believe is 14.4 not exploitable no but if you haven't updated yet You might want to think about jailbreaking just take everything into account now we're at the end of this episode and typically at the end of these episodes i like to cover something that i might think is funny or interesting or cool just something random modding related and there's one thing that i wanted to have a bit of a update on as well as another thing that i have not covered on here i saw this release and i was like This is actually pretty damn cool. So it's going to be kind of a two-in-one, but let's take a look at this. First of all, I did a few episodes ago talk about GTA SA Vita, which is Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, the port of it, on the PlayStation Vita from The Flow, as well as Rene Gattamante. So as you can see right here, it has released since that episode was released recorded now there's been five updates to this and this is using the grand theft auto san andrea's android port of this so the actual android app you need to take that take all these sensitive files and assets and such and use them in combination with the apk as well as the data files to get this all set up here now it's saying here this is a wrapper port of grand theft auto san andrea's android for the ps vita with lots of custom patches such as fixed broken camera controls for flying vehicles and including the hydrojet, fixed broken facial expressions, fixed cheats hash key table, removed specular lighting on pedestrians, added PS2-like rendering. This port works by loading the official Android ARMv7 executable in memory, removing its imports with native functions, and patching it in order to properly run. And again, there are some great change logs here, but he has just been really hard at work doing this. So the 1.0 is the initial release, but there's now been five releases at this point with the most recent release at the time recording this v5 actually having some custom codes here where you can enter the flow for invincibility and rene Gattamante for weapon set four That's pretty cool when you can be your own cheat code. And the last thing here I wanted to cover, because I saw this release and I just thought this was really neat, because I didn't even know this existed to begin with, but this is the release of C-Celeste. I believe that's how we say it here. C-Celeste Vita, which is the Celeste Classic port, which I had no idea existed. So developer Decomius has released a Vita version of Celeste, a port of the original Celeste for Pico Eight. Decomius's Vita port is based on C Celeste by Lemon32767. What is C Celeste? This is a C source port of the original Celeste, Celeste Classic, for the Pico 8 designed to be portable. PC and 3DS are the main supported platforms, though other people are maintaining ports to other platforms. Note from Wololo, in this case, PS Vita. So you can download it from here on Wololo, and there are controls that are available here. And of course, it's talking about PC and 3DS, but this is specifically about the Vita release. I didn't want to talk about the last one specifically because I do know there are people who absolutely love the game Celeste, like the one that came out on Switch. I can't think of any other platforms it came out on, I just know it came out on Switch, but people love that one. So I had no idea. That there was a an original or a Pico 8 version of it and that it's been ported to 3DS and now Vita. So Celeste is just getting on everything at this point, which is really awesome to see so now i would say we are at the very end of this episode and if you have made it to the end of this a bit longer than usual episode i do appreciate it now at the end of these episodes i do try and pick a keyword of some kind and if you use this keyword in a comment on the youtube upload i will know that you made it to the end And I decided on a keyword. I actually decided on this yesterday when I was thinking of recording this episode. And I'm going to explain because I wanted to talk a little bit. Uh, I'm going to pick Trilogy. So if you use the word Trilogy in your comment on the YouTube upload, I will know that you made it to the end. Now, as an explanation, why am I picking Trilogy out of all the words that are available? Well, uh, there's been a Trilogy I've been playing. Uh, I've actually really gotten into the Mafia series. Uh, I've had these games for a while. Maybe not this one because Mafia Defendive Edition just came out like a few months ago. Seems like it. Maybe it came out in 2020. But point is, I have had the original one on the original Xbox. I've had Mafia 2. I end up picking up Mafia 3 when it was on sale at one point. And all of these games I've had in my collection, uh, although this one was kind of a more recent pickup, the first one here, but I've been wanting to play them. And w- within a week, I ended up beating the first two, all right? Like, I'm really enjoying these games right now. In all honesty, Mafia 3... For some reason, this seems to appeal to me the most, like I've seen reviews of it, I've seen people talk about it, and it just seems like a really interesting take on it overall, although I know it seems to be a bit more of a polarizing version of it. So maybe by the time this video and this podcast goes out, I will be able to talk more about it because... I'm going to tell you all, like, after I get this up, like, rendered out and everything, I'm going to be playing some Mafia 3, because I finished Mafia 1 pretty recently, really enjoyed it, Uh, I'll talk about it more on Mario's Minute, my other podcast, and uh, Mafia 2, I stayed up until, like, 2 a.m. finishing this game, and it was good as well, too, uh, but I'm really wanting to jump into Mafia 3, so we'll see how this goes. I was thinking of picking Mafia in all honesty for the keyword, but it's like, well, I think a lot of people are really going to question why the hell there's so many people talking about the Mafia. So we're picking trilogy, all right? If you use the word trilogy, do you like the Godfather trilogy? Do you like the Jack and Daxter trilogy? Do you hate the Mafia trilogy? What is your favorite trilogy? Uh, out of the three trilogies of of Star Wars films, which one is your favorite? Which one's your least favorite? If you use the word trilogy in your comment. I know you made it to the end. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. This is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. Until next time.